Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast. Today is Thursday, and it is October. The MLB playoffs are underway. I hope you guys enjoyed the wild card games the last two nights. The Red Sox out here beating the Yankees. The Dodgers on a walk-off home run by Chris Taylor out here beating the Cardinals. And it is great to have October back. But today, we are going to be here talking football. So many things to get to previewing week number five of the NFL season. Quick recap for today's show before we start. Zach's top 10 to start. Top 10 teams in the NFL. I'll be giving you guys right off the bat to start this podcast. We're going to get into the big time Sunday night football game. Chiefs, Bills, why it's important for both sides, what a win would mean for both sides, and so much more to discuss with a big time rematch of the 2020 AFC Championship game, along with Urban Meyer. He's been in the news again, you guessed it, for all the wrong reasons. Wanted to talk a little bit about that and why Urban, even though I didn't really think that video getting out was that big of a deal, they still need to be careful given his future, and I just don't think Urban and the Jaguars, that combination may be built to last uh, You know, past this year. I think that combination could be in trouble. And then also, my picks for Week 5 of the NFL, before I start, you want to get in touch with me my instagram z-a-c underscore k-r-u-l-l twitter z-k-r-u-l-l-3 and youtube z-a-c-h-a-r-y-k-r-u-l-l all individual segments from this podcast will be posted straight to the youtube channel with that being said i hope you enjoy this episode of the zach curl sports podcast i hope everyone enjoys their weekend and without further ado here we go let's do it Continuing with what we did last week to open up Thursday's show, we are going to start off today with me giving you guys my top 10 teams in the NFL right now. And the key term in that is right now. I want you to understand that these rankings could totally change. They're up in the air. But right now, entering week five, these are going to be my top 10 teams in the NFL. And I'll explain to you why. And I think the crazy thing for me is that for the first two weeks that I've done this list, there have been many teams that I've been had to leave off of the top 10 that I think are really good and quality football teams, but only 10 teams can make the list. I think the top of the NFL right now is that good and that talented. So without further ado, we'll hit the music. Here are my top 10 teams in the NFL right now going into week five. At number 10, with a 3-1 record, is the Baltimore Ravens. And I look, the Ravens are a team that has not had an easy start to the season, you know? They had all of the injuries going into training camp. They have looked very banged up at multiple points throughout this season. But one thing you could say about Lamar Jackson, even though he has his flaws, and over the last couple years, he's had some trouble winning in the playoffs. But one thing remains consistent with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. All they do is win in the regular season. And I feel like in an AFC where there are so many good teams, right? We're going to get to them in a little bit. But Buffalo and Kansas City and the Chargers and the amount of talent they have. I feel like at some points, the Ravens are that forgotten team in the AFC just because of how good their quarterback is. Like, he is good enough to carry this team and win games by himself. They have a running game by committee right now with Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell. Their defense is still totally banged up. But hey, 
going into Denver in week four off a big time win where a lot of people expected you to let down a little bit going on the road into a tough environment at mile high. I was impressed with how the Ravens really were able to control that game against Denver from start to finish. And Lamar Jackson is a winner. Coach Harbaugh is a winner. That's all they do. And I totally understand it wasn't the most ideal circumstance going on when they had the whole comeuffin about uh, the 100-yard rushing streak and Vic Fangio really wasn't happy about it. But hey, Baltimore just wanted to get the 100 yards. I don't think it matters that much. If you really have a problem, then stop them. The Ravens are a winning organization. They're one of the best organizations in the NFL. They're my number 10 team right now. At number nine, not only will we be staying in the AFC, but also in the AFC North. And right now, my number nine team in the NFL is the Cleveland Browns. And look, I wanted to say this. Cleveland's defense is legit. Last year... The reason primarily why Cleveland was so good was because of their offensive line and their just ability to control the running game and the line of scrimmage, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They really put their quarterback in a good position to succeed. But this year, they're dominating on the line of scrimmage in the trenches, but it's their defensive line. Miles Garrett, Jadeveon Clowney, their performance against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday in week four on the road, shutting down that Viking offense was really, really impressive. That's a good job by Cleveland. But here's the issue. I should have them higher. I just don't know if I trust their quarterback. I really don't. Baker Mayfield is a guy who was drafted number one overall. And I think he's been put in a good position to succeed with this Cleveland team. You know, they only had to score, what, 14 points in order to get the win at Minnesota. And he did that. That's fine. But if the Browns are going to want to win games, we saw it in week one against a team like Kansas City. And this week against the Chargers, I'm going to be curious to see how Baker does. There's certain games where you just flat out need your quarterback to be able to make plays. And whenever that does happen for Cleveland, I'm not sure if their quarterback's going to be able to do that. I like Baker Mayfield. He's not terrible. I think he's a quarterback that could win games for you against bad competition when you have this much talent around him. The problem is, like we saw in week one against Kansas City, there are going to be certain games where you need your quarterback on third and eight to sit back in the pocket and make a big play. And the couple times we've seen Baker Mayfield in that position throughout his career, where it's clear, given the game circumstances, that the Browns just need him to stab up and make a big-time throw, we haven't seen yet that he is uh, capable of doing that I think that limits Cleveland's ceiling a lot. Um, Their defense has been really good, but I'm going to have them at number nine right now just because I'm not really sure about their quarterback, which makes me not entirely sure about their long-term ceiling. At number eight, I'm going to have the Green Bay Packers. And this is another team that going into this list, I plan on having them within the top five because I think they're playing phenomenal football right now. I just think there are other teams that are better. And that's how crazy the top of the NFL is right now that I'm going to have Green Bay at number eight. Look, Green Bay was a team that we saw what happened to them week one. That was an embarrassing effort. And given everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers over the course of the offseason, it was perfectly reasonable to just look at the Packers and say, this is a team that has opened the season playing like they don't care. 
and there were plenty of reasons for, to worry. However, one thing remains clear. In a similar way to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and their just natural ability to win football games, I actually think you could say the same thing about the Green Bay Packers and their franchise ever since Matt LaFleur has taken over as head coach. All they do is win during the regular season. And Aaron Rodgers, the way he was able to go out there on Sunday Night Football and dominate the San Francisco 49ers, making those last couple big-time money throws to Devontae Adams late in that game. And then in Week 4 against Pittsburgh, I get it, the Packers didn't play the perfect football game. But at the same time, there was never really a moment in that game where, from a Packers perspective, I felt worried. And their defense which didn't play well the first two games of the season this year, has actually improved and looked much better throughout the last two weeks. Joe Barry, a guy coming from that McVay staff, was a question for me after the first two games as Packers defensive coordinator, but he's had his unit ready to play. I give him credit for that. The Packers are a team that people forgot about just because of how bad they played in week one, and I totally understand. This regular season doesn't mean much for Green Bay if they could just find a way to make the playoffs. But, hey, they look good, and this Packer team, it's all out in front of them. They could easily find themselves in the Super Bowl. That's how good number 12 that quarterback is, and he's not a distraction. You can tell just how much he loves the game of football. He is all in, ready to go with these Green Bay Packers. I have Green Bay as my number eight team in the NFL right now. At number seven, and this is going to surprise some people, how do you have the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers this low at number seven. And I'll say this, in the playoffs, odds are I will have a team led by Tom Brady much higher than number seven on this list. The thing is, over the last couple weeks, I've seen some possible weaknesses uh, of vulnerability, areas of weakness, I should say, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number one, their secondary is shot. And I'll give them credit. When you have a quarterback like Tom Brady that could just do anything to find a way to win you football games, most likely in the end, you're going to come out successful. Looking at that game against the New England Patriots, I didn't come out of it thinking, wow, Tampa Bay did whatever they could to win. I just thought from a talent perspective, Tampa Bay had the clear advantage over New England, and they squeezed every ounce they could out of that talent considering the weather situations to somehow, some way, get the Buccaneers a win. And even with that being said, New England wasn't a team that was built to take advantage of the Buccaneers' weaknesses in the secondary. They signed Richard Sherman, but still, with Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean banged up, they had interest in Stephon Gilmore. He obviously goes to Carolina. That's a good pickup for the Panthers. But I think Tampa Bay, unlike last year, they're finally dealing with some injuries, and I think it could cost them. I still think they're the best team in the NFC North. I still think they're a team that could very realistically find themselves back in the Super Bowl. I just don't know how long their defense, especially in the secondary, could hold up with all the injuries. And we saw them on the same field against a team like the Los Angeles Rams. It really wasn't that close. I have Tampa Bay right now as my number seven team in the NFL. At number six, this was a team that going into the season, I really didn't expect to have on my top 10 list at all. And that is the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys, 
we all knew going into the season, right? They were one of the more talented teams in the league, and there was really no excuse for them not to win the NFC East based on the amount of talent they had. But there have been a lot of things that throughout four games have gone right for Dallas that going into the season were question marks. Dak Prescott at quarterback coming off of the serious ankle injury and the shoulder injury that he was dealing with in training camp, he has looked really good throughout the first four games of the season. He is playing like one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And we know the weapons. Ezekiel Elliott, oh, he's washed now. He looks pretty good to me. I think Tony Pollard is a helpful piece as well. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper catching passes. Their offensive line, once um, the, the tackle comes back while Lil Collins will get better. And the key to Dallas has been their defense. This was the worst defense in the NFL last year, and they decided to bring in Dan Quinn. And I'll admit, that was a hire I was a little worried about just because of the fact that Atlanta was regressing when he became their head coach. And once Kyle Shanahan left, they get to the Super Bowl and they just kept on getting worse and worse and worse, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I remember asking myself, when it came to Dan Quinn and his defenses in Atlanta, I remember saying, like, if you're a defensive coordinator, your unit has to be better than this. And with the improvement and the development of Trevon Diggs as a second-year corner, the drafting of Micah Parsons, making him look like a legitimate edge rusher that other offensive lines in the NFL are going to fear, Dallas right now is my number six team in the NFL because they're looking balanced. They have a good offense, they have a good defense, and as long as Mike McCarthy doesn't get in, the, get in the way, scary, scary stuff, Dallas right now is my number six team in the NFL. At number five, I'll have the Buffalo Bills. And look, Buffalo is a team that plays in probably the biggest game of week number five, and we're going to get into that game a little bit later with the Bills and the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, but look. The Bills went into this season with a lot of high expectations. They were a team that most people predicted to win the AFC East, especially after getting to an AFC championship game last year. Bills fans were really excited. Now, they've played really well over the last three weeks. However, look at who they played. Miami with Jacoby Brissett. Give them credit. They won 35 to nothing. They also then get the Washington football team. They looked good in that game. But we all know Washington's defense has been one of the more disappointing units in the NFL so far this season. Then they get Houston. They beat them 40 to nothing. And the key for Buffalo is, look, their defense has been much improved. Last year, if you watch the Bills, literally the only reason why they were winning football games was because Josh Allen and that offense was electric. Now, Josh has been all right, but he hasn't really been that same guy yet. If Buffalo wants to be the best team in the AFC, which I think they could, they're going to need their defense to keep on doing what they've been doing. The problem is they faced Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke, and Jacoby Brissett their last three games. Let's see what they do against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think five is a good spot for Buffalo right now. They're one of the best teams in the AFC. But until I can consider them the favorite, I want to see them do something that they haven't been able to do yet. And that is beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Huge game, Sunday Night Football. Buffalo, my number five team in the NFL right now. At number four, and you're going to be surprised. You're going to say, Zach, how do you not have this team number one 
after they just went into LA and demolished the Rams. And my number four team in the NFL right now is the Arizona Cardinals. And look, I may have been wrong on the Cardinals. I'll admit, going into the season, based on really how the last two years have played out since Cliff Kingsbury has taken over, and really his whole history as a head coach, that was the biggest game he has ever won going into SoFi Stadium on Sunday and beating the Los Angeles Rams on the road. And the final score was 37-20, to 20, Cardinals. It really wasn't that close. I'll give Arizona credit. Their defense looks much better this year than it did last year. Being led by Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker, that defense looks legit. But offensively, they might have the best offense in the NFL right now. Kyler Murray is a legitimate video game character who puts up video game numbers. And their offense has improved. I didn't love the signing of A.J. Green during the offseason. I didn't necessarily know how much football he had left in the tank. But it's clear that with this Arizona Cardinal offense, he looks rejuvenated. Also, the draft of Rondell Moore. Man, that looks like a really good pickup. Rondell Moore is a nice, explosive young receiver who can make big-time plays for this Arizona Cardinal team. Chase Edmonds and James Conner look like a pretty nice one-two running back combination. And Cliff Kingsbury at least has his team playing hard. What I was so impressed about was Arizona going into this Rams game. Like, they could have easily lost to the Vikings if Greg Joseph could have hit a 37-yard field goal. Arizona easily could have lost to Jacksonville if Trevor Lawrence just doesn't throw that inexcusable pick six. And by the way, Byron Murphy, that's another part of this Cardinal defense who is balling out right now. That kid is a young stud. Arizona's defense has a lot of nice core key young pieces that could be key for the future and even this year. But look, Arizona's very talented. That's never been the problem for them. The problem has been being able to put it all together and play consistent football. We saw it last year. Arizona got off to a great start. However, throughout the season, they just lost a handful of games that they could not have lost. They couldn't afford to do it. And going into L.A., And beating the Rams, that's a good, good start to your 2020-21 season. And to make a statement early in the month of September and say, look, we are here to play. We are one of the best teams in the NFL with one of the best offenses in the NFL. We could do damage. That's a great sign. My only question is, could this style of offense be able to be consistent when the weather gets cold against some of the best defenses in the NFL. The fact they were able to go on the road to LA and do that was a really impressive job. The Arizona Cardinals right now are one of the five best teams in the NFL, and I think they could only improve once they keep getting better and play some of the better teams in the NFL. Kyler Murray, that kid is a stud. Speaking of another team that has a young quarterback as a stud, And this is another team also where you're going to be like, wow, Zach, you might have put them a little too high. But the Los Angeles Chargers, in my opinion, are the third best team in the NFL right now. The balance of this team is just super, super impressive. With Justin Herbert, a starting quarterback that they got in the with the seventh overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. We know the story. Miami, they pass on Herbert on Herbert. For Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert, after a year and four games, looks like he could be 
the best young quarterback in the NFL, maybe number two behind Patrick Mahomes. But there's not that big of a difference. And Brandon Staley, what he has been able to do in such a short amount of time, coming to this Los Angeles Charger team, really establishing throughout that locker room what he wants to do, it is translated quickly. It looks like the players really enjoy playing for him. And Brandon Staley has been a coach that has had big-time talent on his team before. He was the linebacker coach in Chicago for Khalil Mack. He coached Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald with the Los Angeles Rams. And now with the Chargers, he has came in and has been aggressive. And already the Chargers have won some games that historically in the past with Anthony Wynn and Phillip Rivers at the helm where you're just like, wow, how did we lose that game? The Chargers have been the one team in the NFL during recent years that has done literally whatever they could to just find a way to lose in the most most heartbreaking fashion as possible. And I think when you look at this Los Angeles Charger team right now, there's a different vibe. The way they were able to handle the Raiders on Monday Night Football, I know the Raiders had a little bit of a run there, but the Chargers were really able to silence that quickly. It was super impressive. And the way Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, there is so much high-end talent on this Charger team. They scare me. They are my number three team in the NFL right now. When it comes to the top two, look, the only reason why I still have these teams in my top two is because the league is so close at the top right now that the way I made these rankings were in a big game, who would you predict to win if these two teams were playing on a neutral field? And for that reason, the Kansas City Chiefs are still my number two team in the NFL right now. And in my opinion, they are still the best team in the AFC. Look, they've lost to Baltimore, they've lost to the Chargers, and their defense is not ideal. It's really not good. It has to get better if this team wants to win football games going forward. However, in their Week 2 and Week 3 losses, they had some fluke, fluke turnovers. At least two or three throughout the course of that game. And one thing I know about Kansas City is that their offense is too good to be doing that consistently. And even in those games where they couldn't stop turning the ball over, they easily could have won. Edwards Alaire, if he doesn't fumble against the Ravens, odds are the Chiefs win that game against the Chargers. Not only did they turn the ball over multiple times, but they did it in the red zone. Those aren't things I expect to happen again on a consistent basis. And Kansas City... All they do is win. They showed out, balled out against Philadelphia in week four. Once again, I think their defense needs to get a little better. But hey, against Buffalo, if they could find a way to win this game on Sunday Night Football, I do think there's a good chance the narrative will be, okay, Kansas City is back. They are once again the favorite in the AFC. And that game being at Arrowhead, Mahomes and Reed, they are the team I trust right now a little bit more than Buffalo and the Chargers in the AFC going forward. But hey, the Chargers are right behind them. The Chargers were able to find a way to go into Arrowhead and win. They deserve credit for that. I still trust Kansas City and that offense as long as Andy Reed, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey are there. Chiefs, my number two team in the NFL right now. And my number one team in the NFL right now is the Los Angeles Rams. And I get it. That's hard for me to say after they just got smacked around by the Arizona Cardinals. And by the way, the Rams have a Thursday night game tonight Then that I think they could very well lose. Seattle at home on a Thursday night. We know historically how good the Seahawks have been in prime time at home in recent years. But I just think the Rams... 
with the combination of Stafford and Cup and McVay with that defense, they are still the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. I think they played the best game we've seen an NFL team play in week number three against Tampa. And then going up against Arizona, it was just a little bit of a wetdown spot. Arizona deserves credit. They weren't in my top 10 last week. I catapult them all the way up to number four this week. Kyler Murray, he showed us he could win a big game on the road in a tough environment. Just when it comes to the Rams, I'm a Sean McVay believer. I think Matthew Stafford really fits his offense well in terms of expanding the playbook. Their defense has two guys that opposing coordinators are going to have to game plan for that could just flat out wreck a game. Not a lot of other teams in the NFL have that. So with that being said, I will still have the LA Rams as my number one team in the NFL. They will be at or at Seattle this week, Thursday night football. Not an easy game to say the least. But I just still believe in Stafford and McVay. I get it. That game against Arizona, it didn't look good for their chances of being the number one team in the NFL. But I just don't expect that to happen very often to this Rams team. We saw with Tampa Bay, every team is allowed to have a bad game. And even though their defense isn't perfect, there aren't many flaws on this Rams team. They have enough top-notch game-breaking talent for me to have them as my number one team in the NFL right now. So to recap... At number 10, I'll have the Ravens. Number 8, Cleveland. Or number 9, Cleveland. Number 8, Green Bay. Number 7, Tampa Bay. Number 6, Dallas. Number 5, Buffalo. Number 4, Arizona. Number 3, the Chargers. Number 2, the Chiefs. And number 1, the Rams. Zach's top 10 going into week number 5 of the NFL season. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I thought it would be a perfect time to talk about the big game of week number five in the NFL, and that is going to be Sunday night football, three and one, Buffalo Bills, two and two, Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, and these two teams will be matching up for the first time since they fought in that AFC Championship game last year. Kansas City, after getting off to a tough start in that one, they were down 10 nothing. I believe they came back to ultimately win that game and move on to the Super Bowl. And it's interesting because throughout the offseason, the Buffalo Bills have been the team that a lot of people labeled to be the top challenger to Kansas City in the AFC uh, coming into the season. And Kansas City rightfully deserves the title, at least they did going into this season of being the top team, the top dog in the AFC. Kansas City, uh, since Mahomes has been the starter, has made the AFC championship game at least in in each of his first three seasons. They obviously win the Super Bowl in 2019. Mahomes wins an MVP in 2018. And then in 2020, Kansas City goes all the way to the Super Bowl uh, before they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's interesting because going into the season, The reason why I wasn't 100% on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon in terms of them being the top dog in the AFC was because last year, as great as they were and as great as Josh Allen was, they really only had one way to beat you, and that was to just outscore you. Buffalo couldn't run the ball, and their defense was about average last year. However... It didn't really matter because Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and their offense was that 
good. They would literally be out here scoring 30 to 40 points a game. They set plenty of records in terms of the offense of Buffalo Bills history. Most points, most touchdowns, most yards. Stephon Diggs led the NFL in catches, and Buffalo's offense last year was legit. Now, going into this year, Kansas City as a team has shown some weaknesses. First of all, they've lost two games, something that before this season doesn't really happen to Patrick Mahomes in the month of September. In this month of September, Mahomes lost his first two games ever in that month and even through his first career interception in the month of September, which is something absolutely bonkers, something that you would really Never expect to see a quarterback go that long uh, playing you know, 16 games throughout a month and not being able uh, to throw an interception. He finally got his first one against Baltimore, and the Ravens were able to take advantage and win that game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Mahomes threw a couple interceptions, uh, especially the late one uh, attending for Kelsey that wasn't even close. That arguably cost Kansas City that game against the Chargers. And even last week against Philadelphia, Mahomes and the Chiefs offense played great. There was never really a point in that game where I expected Philadelphia to step on the gas and win. However, it was closer, uh, too close for comfort than a lot of Chiefs fans would have wanted. And Mahomes even threw an interception in that game. And I think Buffalo, throughout the first three, four games of the season, even though their offense hasn't been perfect, and it's been good. They, They were able to put up 40 points last week. They were able to torch the Washington football team on defense. They were able to put up points against Miami. Um, They still haven't really been able to run the ball, and Josh Allen hasn't looked as good as he has last year, but he's still been fine. He's still been getting the job done, and the most important part is the Buffalo Bills have been able to win football games after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 1. And going back, that is going to be a result that a lot of fans are just going to look at and say, How did that happen? The way the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing right now, the way the Bills are playing right now, the Steelers were really able to go into Buffalo and win with Ben Roethlisberger under center. That's what makes the NFL the best sport, in my opinion, is that we could just have crazy things like that go on that don't make sense from any perspective. However, going into this game, I think it is so big for the Buffalo Bills in particular. Number one, I believe that home field advantage, if you're going to ask me which team in the NFL, really as a whole, the AFC, but really the whole NFL, I would say, which team would home field advantage in the playoffs and the number one seed mean the most to? In my opinion, the answer to that question is the Buffalo Bills. We know just how big of an impact Bills Mafia makes for this squad. The Bills didn't even lose a home game last year, and they lost their first one this year with fans to Pittsburgh, as we mentioned earlier. But once again, that game, the more and more evidence and data we get is just looking like it was a complete outlier. And if those two teams play again, especially in Orchard Park, New York, odds are the Bills win that game. But Buffalo, I think if they want to go to the Super Bowl, they need to prioritize getting that number one seed in the AFC and making sure the playoffs go through Buffalo. And they could do that with the win. They could really put their foot on the gas pedal, especially over a team like Kansas City, if they could get this win. If Buffalo wins this game, they go to 4-1. and one. Kansas City 
goes to two and three, which would give Buffalo a two-game lead in terms of the race to the one seed. But not only that, keep in mind, Buffalo would also get the tiebreaker in that scenario uh, if they win because head-to-head they would have the advantage. So in other words, a win over Kansas City in this spot would give Buffalo a three-game lead for the one seed in the AFC, which would be great for them. Right now, Buffalo does look like the clear favorite in the AFC, given how New England and Miami have really disappointed over their first couple games. And I totally understand in the it's the NFL, there are so many things that could change from start to finish when it comes to the season and in particular division races. But at the same time, Buffalo does look like they are the best team in the AFC East right now, pretty clearly. Kansas City, you can't really say that about the division they're in. First of all, they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers at home. And I get it, historically, that's not a game they lose, especially the way they turn the ball over in that game. But the Chargers look legitimate right now. Uh, I was someone that was high on the Chargers going into the season, and... Keep in mind, they have only gotten better, I think, since the season has started off. I know they were able to find a way to win at Arrowhead Stadium, but they still looked like the Chargers in some aspects doing it, just taking dumb penalties to take points off the board, messing up in the absolute worst of times, and still the Chiefs were not able to take advantage of that, and the Chargers were able to get the win. When it comes to Kansas City, here's what I think. Is there a realistic chance Buffalo wins this game? Absolutely. I think Buffalo, at least to start the season, has had a better defense. And even, you know, I don't care who Buffalo has been playing. They just shut out an NFL team and Kansas City, they can't even get off the field at all. The Eagles really didn't even have to punt in that game against Kansas City. And every time an opposing offense gets in the red zone against this Kansas City Chief defense, it kind of feels like a wrap. They're going to score. And Kansas City, if they want to win football games, their defense needs to play better. Steve Spagnola is a defensive coordinator that has won multiple Super Bowls throughout the course of his career. They also have a lot of the same guys on this defense that were able to do just enough for this unit to get them all the way to a Lombardi trophy. I'm talking about guys like Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Those are the two guys that are hopefully healthy and that need to make a big impact on defense. Jones is obviously a stud whenever he's on the field, but Frank Clark, a guy who is a key piece to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago. He has been MIA as of late. So has Jaron Reed, uh, who was supposed to be their big offseason addition on the defensive side of the ball. The Chiefs need their defense to play better. And Buffalo, lucky for them, their defense has been much better than anyone could have really expected, albeit against some weak opponents. I'm going to be curious to see against Kansas City's offense on the road, could Buffalo's defense make enough plays to just somehow limit the Chiefs and give their offense the opportunity to just outscore them by getting some stops. Another thing about Kansas City going into this game, right? A lot of people have asked me, if the Chiefs lose this game, where do they go from here? You basically just said, given a Bills win, they would be the fa- the favorite to get the number one seed in the AFC, and the playoffs would go through Orchard Park in that conference. When it comes to Kansas City, here's my opinion. They have dominated the regular season over the past couple of years, right? They have been that clear favorite in the AFC West that not a lot of people could beat. And 
That has translated in division games. Before this year, the Chiefs really played well against the Chargers. They would play well against Denver and the Raiders. And this year, they lose their first divisional game. And right now, it just so happens that the AFC West is one of the best divisions in the NFL, where Kansas City, sitting with a record of 2-2, two and two, is in last place. They're only one game back, but the Raiders are 3-1, and one, the Broncos are 3-1, and one, and the Chargers are 3-1. And, and I do think once Kansas City gets an opportunity to play teams like the Raiders and the Broncos head-to-head, that's when they'll be able to make up ground. And I would be shocked if Kansas City misses the playoffs, right? I don't see a scenario where that happens unless Patrick Mahomes or some gets hurt or something goes seriously wrong. I have that amount of trust and belief in this Kansas City offense. And if they do make the playoffs, even if they don't win the division, if they make the playoffs as like a five or six seed, that is going to be a team that no one is going to want to see in their building going forward. However, Kansas City should want to get that number one seed in the AFC as well. They really were able to ride that bye week all the way into a Super Bowl uh, appearance for the third or second year in a row, and that bye week had a lot to do with it. We're seeing much more holes with Kansas City this year than we've seen last year and really the year before that. I'm not going to lie, this defense does give me some vibes of the defense in 2018, the year Patrick Mahomes was able to win MVP. But the reason why that Kansas City team wasn't able to get to a Super Bowl was because uh, their defense just couldn't get off the field. No matter how good their offense was, their defense just ultimately cost them in the end. And that is going to happen again this year if their defense doesn't at least play a little bit better. I'm just curious to see, is Buffalo the team that's going to be able to take advantage of Kansas City's mistakes on a prime time spot on national TV at Arrowhead Stadium on the road? Can Buffalo do what they haven't been been able to do in years past and finally capture the dragon of Kansas City? The other thing about the AFC and the playoff race this week is I think you could absolutely make a narrative and an argument like I did earlier in this show where the four best teams in the AFC are all playing each other this week. I think right now, the four best teams in the AFC, in no order, are Buffalo and Kansas City. They're going to be playing each other on Sunday Night Football. And obviously, the game Sunday afternoon between the Browns and the Chargers, I think those two teams are probably three and four in the AFC right now, if not higher. So the four best teams in the AFC, in my opinion, in no order, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers, and the Browns, they're all going to be playing each other this week, which sets us up for a great week of football. Chiefs, Bills, I can't wait. There are going to be so many narratives on the line. If Buffalo wins, the conversations on Monday are going to be, wow, Buffalo is now the team to beat in the AFC. They went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. They could beat anyone at any time. Josh Allen is legit, and I know he already is legit. He's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, but this would be the biggest regular season win of his career. And then you look at Mahomes and the Chiefs, even though they've struggled a couple times throughout the first two games, if they could go out here and beat the Bills, I feel like the narrative is going to be, okay, Kansas City is back. We know what they're going to do against teams like the Raiders and the Broncos in that AFC West. The AFC, just like it has the last couple years, runs through Kansas City. And I'm not going to lie, folks. I'm excited for this football game. Bills, Chiefs, Sunday Night Football for that top spot in the AFC, in my opinion. I do think the winner of this game is going to be considered the best team in the AFC and really have a nice path towards the one seed and home field advantage in the playoffs. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars in his first year. He's been in the news again. 
I'm sure you saw the video. He was at a bar in Ohio following the Jaguars' loss on last week's edition of Thursday Night Football to the Cincinnati Bengals. And basically, if you missed it, in the video there was a woman near Meyer dancing with him uh, at the bar, a little too close for comfort, if you know what I mean, if you're a married man. It's not usually what uh, married guys are doing. But Urban Meyer gets caught red-handed in the bar in Ohio after the Jaguars lost to the Bengals. And I wanted to make myself clear to start this off. I don't think that video getting leaked should mean Urban Meyer gets fired for that reason. There are plenty of coaches in the NFL who have probably done even crazier stuff than that The video just hasn't really gotten out, and we don't know about it. Like, I'm sure coaches are out here drinking uh, some alcohol after they start a season 0-4. It's stressed. It's a stressful job. Being an NFL head coach is one of the tougher jobs that come with a crazy amount of pressure when you take the reins. You literally have a whole city and a whole fan base relying on you and your coaching decisions, and they expect the most out of you, no matter what team you coach, no matter who you are as a head coach, if you are one of the 32 people in the world lucky enough to be an NFL head coach, like that's a job that comes with a lot of pressure. And I'm sure coaches have done crazier, if not just as crazy things to what Urban Meyer did at the bar. It's not something you want to see get revealed, but I just don't think it's a job. I don't think it's something that makes you losing your job happen. I don't think getting caught at the bar like that is something that just gets you the boot out of nowhere. However, here's the problem. It's not out of nowhere. This happening and this servicing on the internet is now, what, the 15th, 16th, 17th, maybe even higher uh, thing that we've seen from Urban Meyer since he's became the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars that really just makes you sit back and question does this guy belong in the in the NFL or does he belong in college? And I said it before the season, really when this hire was first made, right? Urban Meyer is one of the best college football coaches I have ever seen. He did such a good job turning around Bowling Green and Utah and then getting into the higher ranks, winning national championships at Florida, winning a national championship at Ohio State. He is a great college football coach, and I think that's where he really belongs. I kind of think he is being wasted right now in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But here's the thing. When you're a successful college head coach, that doesn't mean you're going to be good in the NFL. Look at Nick Saban, the guy who considered by many is the best coach in the history of college football. He even struggled in the NFL. When you take over as an NFL head coach, you have to change a lot of your philosophies if you're coming from college. You are not coaching kids and you are not their mentor anymore. You're coaching a bunch of grown men that deal with stuff off the field that are making just as much money as you are and you need to adjust your coaching habits. And literally before the Jaguars even played a game this season, I remember the report from Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports came out an hour before that game against the Houston Texans that Urban Meyer has already lost the Jaguars locker room and 
That obviously is not a good sign when before your team even plays a game, that report is getting dropped. And even after this video gets released, once again, I don't think Urban Meyer shouldn't have gotten fired. But at the same time, the Jaguars owner, Shahid Khan, who, let's face it, hasn't really been a guy known for producing winning football teams. He comes out and says, our head coach has to regain our trust. If you, as an owner, don't trust your head coach of an NFL team, that is a major, major issue. And to be honest, it's just not a distraction that your team needs right now. So if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, this has gone so bad that I'm not firing him at least to start off. But I'm saying, look, Urban, if you don't want to be an NFL head coach, that's fine. Just leave. Go to USC. Go to LSU if it opens, because we know historically you have that reputation of when things start going poorly, you just decide to bail. And here's the problem about Urban Meyer, right? Once again, he's a really good college coach that won national championships at Florida and won at Ohio State, and he did so much in college. However, my issue with Urban was always that he was a guy that really prided himself on integrity and how he was just such a great leader of young men and how every team he coached in college was great and they really got along together well and they were really good guys on and off the field but then at the same time you look at it urban meyer coached aaron hernandez in college he coached riley cooper there were plenty of other stories on that 2008 florida gator team aside from tim tebow off the field that made this team look like they were really a bunch of criminals And I didn't like how Urban, throughout his years in college, you also remember the Zach Smith situation that went on during his last year at Ohio State. He was suspended the first three games of that season. I just have never liked how Urban has always prided himself on being Mr. Integrity and Mr. Morals and having and talking about his team backing up that reputation when he's leading it. And that was never really the case. And now in the NFL, everything is falling apart. Look at the things that have gone on since Urban Meyer has even taken the Jaguars head coach. He hires Chris Doyle as the team's director of sports performance, who was from the University of Iowa. He was accused of making racist comments and making fun of players at Iowa. That hire received heavy backlash. He's gone. He then signs Tim Tebow, a guy who hasn't played in the NFL in a handful of years, not as a quarterback, but as a tight end, a position that he's never played. That was a huge joke. They also draft Travis Etienne in the first round of the draft on a team that won one football game last year. One. You guys know if you've listened to this show historically what my philosophy on drafting running backs in the first round is. If you're a team that's ready to win, that doesn't have many holes, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys were a couple years ago when they drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, and I do believe that was one of the key parts in that Cowboy team that ended up winning the NFC East and having the best record in the NFC during Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year. That made sense. But then you look at the Giants. They draft Saquon Barkley. Dave Gettleman thought that their team was ready to win based on the drafting of a running back in the top five. You combine him with Eli Manning, and Gettleman thought that Saquon Barkley was that missing piece. Obviously, he wasn't, and the Giants 
since they've drafted Saquon Barkley, have still been looking for a way to win football games. And the Jaguars, a team that finished with one win last year and actually had a pretty good running back in James Robinson. He's one of the lone bright spots for the Jaguars so far this season. Uh, They draft ETN, which obviously he gets hurt. He hasn't produced uh, in any way. Uh, Obviously, you hope he gets healthy. But I just didn't like that fit from the beginning. He also tells reporters that the Jaguars will cut players due to their vaccination status, and the NFLPA opened an investigation to those comments. And even if those are true, you just have to know as an NFL head coach, those are not things you say. When you're Urban Meyer, you just have, and you're a first-year head coach, I feel like your number one goal, as crazy as this sounds, is to say, look, It's my first rodeo. It is my first year as an NFL head coach. And there are plenty of people that are skeptical and have their doubts about me. So how do I need to respond to that? By just keeping my team out of the news and just by managing as tough and and as a close-knit unit as possible. Keep our names out of reporters' mouths. Behave off the field, including myself. And that's when the... uh, recent events of what happened at the bar will come into play. But literally throughout this list, there have been plenty of things that have happened with the Jaguars finding themselves in news. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And that is not the formula and recipe you want to follow as a first year NFL head coach. They then have an open competition for Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't take all the first team reps which as a rookie quarterback, you know, like that's very valuable. And they trade Gardner Minshew, the guy that they were competing with Lawrence. They just trade him. Apparently, they never really thought anything of him long term. And still, they had him compete with Trevor Lawrence. They also trade away C.J. Henderson, the number nine overall pick from a year ago. The team starts off 0-4. And then following that fourth loss on Thursday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals, a game where really the Jaguars could have won. They played well in the first half of that game. That was the first time in a while, at least the first time all season, when we're watching Trevor Lawrence and you could say, wow, he looks in rhythm. He looks really good. This is the kid we saw at Clemson who was super hyped up as a prospect, who went number one overall in the 2021 NFL draft. Lawrence looked good in that game, at least in the first half. The Jaguars still find a way to cough it up and lose, and they start 0-4. And then here's the problem, right? Once again, I do not think Urban Meyer should be fired based on the video that dropped of him at the bar. I think there are plenty of coaches in the NFL that have done plenty of worse and or crazier things. It just hasn't been released to the media yet. But you have to know, when your team starts off 0-4 and has been in the news so far in the NFL calendar since you've been hired, you've literally been in the news for all of the wrong reasons. All of the things we just mentioned. And now a viral video drops of you with a woman that's not your wife, way too close for comfort. And then the owner has to release a statement saying that Urban Meyer, even though we respect and accept his apology, he has to regain our trust and respect back. How do you not trust an NFL head coach that is making, I'll give you the exact number right now, that you just paid him for a couple months ago. Urban Meyer is making $12 million a season. That is not good when you don't trust, you admit you don't trust your head coach that is making 
$12 million a season. And Shahid Khan obviously uh, called the hire of Urban Meyer inexcusable. And literally, as bad of a franchise as the Jacksonville Jaguars have been throughout the last 10 to 15 years, I know they've had some moments winning a couple playoff games at Heinz Field, but that is it. The Jaguars are not a well-run organization at all. And they are in the news to start off 2021 for all of the wrong reasons. I'm not going to lie. I would be furious if I'm the Jaguars just based on how this has all went down. Seeing Urban drop in that viral video is just not something you need right now when your team is 0-4 and has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. I think the walls are coming in quickly on Urban. They're crashing. And I do not expect him to be the coach of the Jaguars next year. I just think he is a guy who fits college football better. We saw it with Nick Saban. He became the next GOAT head coach in college football based on everything that he has done in recent years at Alabama. I think Urban Meyer is a guy that just belongs in college. He's being wasted in the NFL and he shouldn't be fired for what happened, but having that drop on Twitter and go viral, it just tells me everything I need to know. Urban Meyer might just not be suited to be an NFL head coach. He should be in college and the NFL may not just be for him. And I understand, like, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though they're an NFL team and there's a fan base that expects a lot out of you, I think all of us wouldn't really be shocked if Urban just decides to leave and hang it up at the end of this season. At least he didn't take, you know, the Dallas Cowboy job last year or something like a lot of people expected him to. And it's crazy because a lot of people going into this season were high on Urban Meyer. They really liked the hire at the time based on everything that he was able to do in college. He also got Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick in the draft. And not only that, but a guy who many people consider to be one of the best quarterback prospects we have seen in recent years, and Urban still just can't get the Jaguars going. I feel bad for him. I don't necessarily think what he did was that wrong, but it's just not something the Jaguars as a team needed right now. Moving on to the last and final segment on today's Zach Curl Sports Podcast. It is time for our week number five NFL picks throughout the first four weeks of the season. It has been a crazy start. We have gone 40 and 24 with a nice 12 and 4 record. Last week only got a handful of game wrongs, including the two New York teams. So it was happy to see uh, both the Jets and the Giants get back to their winning ways. But without further ado, let's see if we can beat that 12 and 4 record from last week. I'm expecting to hit the music. Week 5 NFL picks. Here we go. Thursday night football, this is a big one. Rams, they're sitting at 3-1, heading to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seahawks, who are sitting at 2-2. The Rams last week played their worst game of the season against the Arizona Cardinals. I was surprised how physically dominated they were from all sides of the ball in this game. They're taking on Seattle, coming off a nice win against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday afternoon took advantage of who was ever playing quarterback in San Francisco, whether it was Jimmy G or Trey Lance. And the one thing that impressed me with Seattle in this game is that for the first time all season, they actually got off to a hot start. I guess you could say the week one game in Indy, they were good to start. But for the first time in a while, Seattle starts off a game well. And I'm actually going to pick the Seahawks to win this game against the Rams on Thursday night football. 
I think that even though I said earlier on this show, the Rams right now are the best team in the NFL, this NFC West is such a good division that it may not even matter. Like, all of these teams are going to beat each other up. And the more I look at it, I think we may have a hard time seeing the number one seed in the NFC come playoff time, come out of that division, just because the teams are so good and so close. Seattle, Thursday night football at home. I know their defense isn't great, but I'm going to back Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to get the win on Thursday night football over the Rams. Let's go to London, baby. 9 a.m. Sunday afternoon, before all the games pick at the usual 1 o'clock slot on the East Coast, Jets, Falcons. Now, the Jets are coming off a nice win. They beat Tennessee, take advantage of a banged-up Titans team, and end up getting the W behind Zach Wilson, who won Offensive Rookie of the Week, making all the big-time throws, dropping a couple absolute dimes, and really winning that game for the Jets. I know he had many chances throughout the game, to get the job done, but ultimately, the Jets find a way in overtime. Randy Bullock misses the potential game-winning kick for the Titans, and the Jets win. They'll be heading to London to take on the Falcons, and look, the Falcons beat the Giants, but we saw last week against the Washington football team, even though the Falcons could score points here and there, I just don't trust this team to win football games, and considering Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage are both going to be out for Atlanta in this game. I'm going to take the Jets to win this game against Atlanta. I think there's some more positive momentum riding with the Jets, whose defense has actually been surprisingly pretty good this season without guys like Carl Lawson and Jared Davis. I'm actually going to pick the Jets to go to London and beat the Falcons. I'm looking forward to this one, not going to lie. Even though it's not the two best teams in the NFL As a Jet guy, I think this is a game they could win. And the Falcons beat the Giants, but they haven't done anything else. I'm not impressed with Atlanta. I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL, if I'm being honest. I like the Jets to go on the road to London in a neutral game and beat the Falcons. Let's move to the 1 o'clock slate. Dolphins, they're sitting at 1-3, heading to Tampa Bay to take on the 3-1 Bucks. And look, I feel bad for the Dolphins because there were plenty of fans that were saying... Oh, Tua getting hurt. It it was a good thing for Miami. Jacoby Brissett is a pro quarterback who will be able to run this offense more efficiently. I think we saw last week against the Colts. That just wasn't to be. And Miami fell to 1-3. I'll say this about Tampa. Even though they're sitting at 3-1, I have my concerns about this team. I get they have Tom Brady. And I get they are the defending Super Bowl champions. But their defense, unlike last year, is really banged up. And I thought Tampa Bay was able to win that game more because of New England's shortcomings on Sunday Night Football against the Patriots than them just overall taking control of the game and winning. With that being said, I like the Bucks in this game just because I think they are just the better team than Miami. But at the same time, you know... The Dolphins are due for a win. Brian Flores is too good of a coach to have his team at 1-4. and four. And I was just surprised. The Dolphins didn't show up last week at all. They really didn't. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to win just because I think they're better. But Miami, I'm not going to lie, has been one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL. Even if Tua is not the answer, they need their starting quarterback sooner rather than later. Because with Jacoby Brissett, I just don't think they have a chance. And at least... If you watch Tua play and it doesn't work out, you will have a reason that's clear and in front of you 
to move on from the young former Alabama quarterback by season's end. This is a good one o'clock game. I'll take the Bucks, by the way, in that one. Bengals, they're sitting at three and one. I feel like most people around the NFL aren't really aware that right now, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals are sitting there with a three and one record. They're gonna host another three and one team in the Green Bay Packers. And this is a good game. I'm really looking forward to it. I think a lot of points in this game are going to be scored. However, I do think the Packers win. One thing I'll say about the Bengals, by the way, their defense isn't bad. In a similar way to the Jets, their defense has actually been one of the more surprising units in the NFL so far this season. And I think both defenses are a little vulnerable here, even though they're both not bad and both will come to play. I just think Green Bay will make one more play in the end to get the victory over the Bengals, but I'm not going to lie. If you've listened to this show, you know how I feel about Joe Burrow. I think this kid is an absolute star. He deserves to be in the conversation when it comes to some of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and I can't wait to see him on the same stage as a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I think these two quarterbacks are going to be throwing punches back and forth throughout this <coughs> excuse me, throughout this game. And I think the Packers are ultimately going to be the ones that come out on top and win it. However, of all of the games in the 1 o'clock slate, this may be the one I'm looking forward to the most. I have the Packers barely squeaking out a victory over the Bengals. And Green Bay, they're definitely a team to watch, man. I understand they are not perfect. They have their concerns. But all they do is win football games in the regular season. And they deserve credit for that. Next game in the 1 o'clock slate. This is a big one. The Broncos, they're coming off their first loss of the season at home against Baltimore. However, they're still in a pretty good spot, sitting with a record of 3-1. and one. They will be on the road, heading to Heinz Field, taking on Big Ben and the Steelers. And look, I totally understand that big picture. When you watch the Steelers, it's clear they're not a good football team. And I don't really expect them to be going anywhere this season, no matter what the result of this game is. However... If Pittsburgh has any shot to do anything this season, this is a game they have to have. They're one and three. If you win this game and get to two and three, you're only one game behind 500. Who knows? And then you look at Denver. This is a game they need because even though the Broncos started off three and zero, their schedule was not good at all. They faced the two New York teams and the Jaguars. Those are games that you should win if you have any interest in being a playoff team. And I'm not going to lie, this game against Pittsburgh, even though Heinz Field is a tough place to play and it's the Steelers, I get it. They're rarely a team that will just lay over and, and fall down when you count them out. But Denver has to win this game. They're the better team than Pittsburgh. And if you want to make the playoffs, given how Pittsburgh has just, let's be honest, not been they haven't been able to move the football. Denver has to win this game. I'm going to predict them to do it. But at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't because the pressure is on them. And really, the loser of this game is in big trouble. Of all of the 1 o'clock games in the first window this week, I think this game has the most pressure on the team that loses. Both of these teams have to be playing desperate and have to be playing to avoid a loss by all means necessary. I think Denver is going to have just enough energy to find a way to win. I'll take the Broncos to beat the Steelers, but hey, I'm telling you once again, if the Broncos somehow, some way lose this game, they may be in big, big trouble. 
I'll take Denver. Next one o'clock game, the Saints. One of the trickier teams to figure out in the NFL so far this season. They're sitting with a record of 2-2. Two and two. They're going to be heading on the road to FedEx Field, taking on another 2-2 two and two squad in the Washington football team. And this is an interesting game because the Saints have been a little bit up and down so far to start this season at least. They've had some good wins going on the road to New England, beating the Packers in week one. But then they also got smacked by the Panthers. They also lost last week at home to the New York Giants. And I look at Washington. They're 2-2. Two and two. They've been very up and down. I was impressed with how they were able to go on the road to Atlanta and get a win on Sunday really out of midair. Like, I don't know how they found a way to win that game. Taylor Heineke pulls one out of his hat again. I am going to take the Saints to win this game. And look, I know it's Washington. You know what? I'll change my mind on the fly. I'll do a quick audible. I like the Washington football team to win this game at home. Give me Taylor Heineke. I know the Washington football team defense has been one of the more disappointing units in the NFL so far this season. But I think at home against a quarterback that likes to turn the ball over like Jameis Winston, they'll find a way to find a way. Such a close game that I had to change my prediction leading up to the segment. But I'm going to take the Washington football team to beat the Saints at home in Week 5. New England, this is a game they got to have. They're on the road, sitting at 2-2, two and two, heading to Houston, who is at 1-3. and three. And in terms of games you got to win, this is a game the Patriots must have. Davis Mills right now is just not suited to be an NFL starting quarterback. And it's not his fault. He was a third-round pick. He's the third-string quarterback, realistically, for this Texans team. And I don't think the Patriots are very good. Like, I don't expect them to be a playoff team. I think their offense just has a ceiling that is super, super low. I like Mac Jones, but I just think at this point in his career, he is what he is. He's going to give you some easy completions. But I think that's what the Patriots need in this game. Just don't turn the ball over. Don't make mistakes. Let your running game and your defense do most of the work. I will take New England to get the win over Houston in a game they got to have. First time in a while the Patriots have started off a season losing three consecutive home games. They're 1-0 on the road, so I think the road success will continue for New England. How about Philadelphia? They're sitting with a record of 1-3, starting the season off 1-0, but then losing the last three games. They're heading on the road to Carolina, taking on the 3-1 Panthers who just acquired Stephon Gilmore, which makes a really good defense even better. They've brought in uh, Stephon Gilmore and C.J. Henderson since the devastating injury to star rookie corner J.C. Horton went down. And I'm going to take the Panthers in this game. I just think they're the better team. They're the more well-coached team. I trust Matt Rule more than Nick Sariani. And even though the Eagles' offense looked very good against Kansas City last week, who doesn't look good against Kansas City? I think Jalen Hurts is good, but I just don't know if at this point you could commit to him as your franchise quarterback for the future. And I just think Sam Darnold at home playing in a favorable environment, playing in a position to succeed with this defense around him will make enough plays. I will take the Panthers, my sleeper team in the NFL, to get the win on Sunday over Philly which would put them at 4-1. and one. That would be some heck of a start for Carolina. I can't wait to see them play Tampa Bay. I think those two teams are the two best teams in the NFC South right now by a large margin. Those games will be must-see TV. Tennessee, coming off a tough loss to the Jets, 
They're sitting at two and two. They will be on the road in Jacksonville, taking on Urban Meyer's Jaguars. And we already spoke about the Jaguars so far on this show. Look, if you're the Titans, I don't care if Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are playing or not. This is a game you just got to find a way to win, especially after you lost to the Jets. We spoke about Zach Wilson and how he put the Jets on his back along with that defense, played really well, and got the Jets a big-time victory over the Titans. But if you're looking at that game, from a Titans perspective, that is a game you have to win. And you couldn't get the job done. So that you're going into Jacksonville. I get it's a division game. Jacksonville's 0-4 coming off a tough loss on a long week. So they're going to be desperate. But I just can't pick the Jaguars to beat anyone. Tennessee, even though right now they look like to be the clear consensus best team in the AFC South. I don't know how much that means because... I don't trust this Titan defense. I don't trust this Titans play calling on offense without Arthur Smith. I'll take them to win, but I am being careful given what's going on in Tennessee. The AFC South is the worst division in the NFL. Final game of the 1 o'clock slate, Detroit heading on the road to Minnesota taking on the Vikings. The Lions, when everyone picked them to beat the Bears last week, I was one of the only people I felt like to take Chicago. They folded didn't really show up and look I'm taking the Vikings in this game this is a game Minnesota needs to have they were disappointing last week also considering even though they started off their season 0-2 in another universe they could have easily been 2-0 if their kicker would have been able to make the field goal from 37 out against Arizona he missed it but Minnesota's offense couldn't do anything against Cleveland I think they find a way to get back on track here in a favorable matchup at home against Detroit I will take the Minnesota Vikings to win in week five, move on to two and three over Detroit. Let's get to the four o'clock slate. Chicago, Justin Fields is now the quarterback for the Bears of the future going forward. Did Matt Nagy announce, and it really didn't have to be that complicated if you were Matt Nagy. I think Chicago should have announced this guy as their starting quarterback a long time ago. And I was impressed with what Chicago did against Detroit. I think Fields is going to have a good game here. I do. I think he'll be able to move the ball. However, the Raiders will win. I think that the Raiders, they're better than they were in years past. I think the Raiders are going to end up a playoff team in the AFC, but this is a game they need to win. They're better than Chicago. And even though they started off the season 3-0, people forget that two of those wins came in overtime. They were competitive against the Chargers, at least in the third quarter of that game. They came back. It ultimately just wasn't enough. I think the Raiders playing in front of their home fans, and the it seems like, unlike the Chargers, every time the Raiders move, you feel like they get more and more fans and more and more support. It's cool to see how big of a brand on a national stage the Las Vegas Raiders really are, and I just think they're better than Chicago. As much as I like Justin Fields, Matt Nagy is still running the operation. I will take the Raiders to get the win on Sunday at home against Chicago. Cleveland, they're heading on the road to L.A. to take on the Chargers, even though Cleveland may have the advantage in terms of the fans in this game. The Browns, low-key, I feel like not a lot of people know this, have one of the better, bigger fan bases in the NFL. But I'm taking the Chargers in this game at home. I think Justin Herbert's better. He's the best quarterback and really the best player on the field in this game. And even though Cleveland's defense is legit, I think that Justin Herbert will do enough to at least keep that Browns defense honest, who put up enough points. And I am obsessed 
with this Charger team. Brandon Staley, the more and more I look at him, the more and more I like him. And the Chargers are a team that I think could be very dangerous going forward. I like Cleveland. I think these two are some of the best teams in the AFC. I would have them in my top four, as we saw during the first segment of this show. I will take the Chargers to win a close game over Cleveland. And if you're the Browns, Baker Mayfield needs to play better. It's as simple as that. He needs to go out there and at least give you competent football, unlike what he did against Minnesota last week. Props to Cleveland's defense in that game, but I just don't see them being able to do what they did. Again, I'll take the Chargers to beat Cleveland. Sunday at 4.30, Giants. They're coming off a big win at 1-3 in the NFC East. They're heading to Dallas, taking on the 3-1 Cowboys. And I will say, I think the Giants can win this game. The real question for concern going into the season with the New York Giants was their quarterback, Daniel Jones. Would he be able to play well enough with this defense and Saquon Barkley and a good coach in Joe Judge, what many people, based on what many people saw last year, would they be able to win because of their quarterback? And even though the Giants have started off one and three, I actually think their quarterback has been pretty good and pretty encouraging. He showed some big time balls going on the road last week and coming back from an 11-point fourth-quarter deficit against the Saints. My problem here is I just think Dallas is better, man. Their offense is better. Their defense is better. Maybe the Giants have a slight advantage in coaching, but with the game being at Dallas, I think Dallas wins and goes to 4-1 and and takes real control in this NFC East. With that being said, I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants cover, keep this game competitive, and the Giants showed me something last week. They're at least still playing hard for their head coach in Joe Judge after a couple of just brutal, terrible losses to start off the season. Final game of the 4 o'clock stretch, San Francisco. It's looking like Trey Lance is going to be under center for the Niners here going up against Arizona. And look, I totally understand. A lot of people are crowning Arizona as the next best team in the NFL based on the start they've gotten off to, beating the Titans by a lot, beating the Rams by a lot, and Kyler Murray is just so fun to watch. And San Francisco giving Trey Lance a full week to prepare for this game and to build an offensive game plan around him. That might help, but I just like the vibes around Arizona better right now than I do San Francisco. Like, Kyle Shanahan, I love him as a head coach, but... Over the first four games of the season, San Francisco hasn't really been that impressive. Like, they lost and blew that game against Green Bay. Their secondary got torched in that game. I think Arizona has enough weapons to make enough plays down the field here. I think that the Cardinals uh, and Niners defensively are pretty equally. But I'll just take the better quarterback. And even though I love Trey Lance, going on the road in this spot against a really good Arizona team, I will be on the Cardinals to beat the 49ers. Sunday night football, Buffalo, Kansas City. This is obviously a huge game. Buffalo needs a win to prove to everyone that they could be taken seriously when you mention them as the top dog in the AFC. I love what they've done over the last couple weeks, but this is a change in level in terms of your opponent. Kansas City, I still think, has the best offense in the NFL. A lot of people are on Buffalo, but I will take the Chiefs to get this big win here over the Bills. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I do think it's going to be close. And Buffalo, at least going into this one, has the better defense. But Mahomes 
at Arrowhead on Sunday Night Football in a big game. Andy Reid and Sean McDermott are both familiar with each other. I think it's going to be phenomenal. And I don't necessarily think that coaching in terms of who has the advantage there will be a big factor. So I'm going to take the better quarterback and go with Kansas City to really change the narrative around them in the AFC right now as the top dog. Give me Kansas City at home over Buffalo. Monday Night Football, Colts-Ravens. I will take Baltimore in this one. Even though I do think Indianapolis still actually does have a legitimate chance to win the AFC South, Baltimore at home in primetime I just think is better. Indianapolis impressed me last week. It was the first time all season their defense really came to play and was really able to win them a game. However, they're also banged up on the offensive line. You hate to see what happened to Quentin Nelson a couple weeks ago. He's out for the future until further notice. And I'll just take the better quarterback in this game at home, Lamar Jackson over Carson Wentz. I will go with the Ravens. To recap my week five NFL picks, once again, 40 and 28 after four weeks of play. We hope to get that record up. I'm going to take Seattle over the Rams, Jets over the Falcons, Bucks over the Dolphins, Packers over the Bengals. We will go Denver over Pittsburgh, Washington over the Saints, Patriots over the Texans, Panthers over the Eagles, Titans over the Jags, Vikings over the Lions, Raiders over the Bears, Chargers over the Browns, Dallas over the New York Giants, Cards over the 49ers, Chiefs over the Bills, and Ravens over the Colts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all of sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.